Hey, theater people, Patrick here. Just a reminder that you can support theater people and all of the new shows we're creating by making a donation via our Patreon page. If you love theater people or Broadway Backstory or Broadway Con the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you'd consider tossing a couple of bucks our way. And you get great rewards for doing so. And we are so, so, so grateful to those of you who have already done that. You can go to patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast, or you can follow the link on the main page of our website, which is theaterpeople.com. That, of course, is theater with an E-R-P-P-L.com. Also, huge thanks to those of you who have subscribed and listened to our new podcast, Broadway Backstory. I'm blown away by the number of you who have done that and by the beautiful things you've had to say about the show. For those of you who don't know, Broadway Backstory is a new documentary-style podcast that we're creating in partnership with Today Ticks. Each episode of Broadway Backstory finds out how a show develops from an idea to a full Broadway production. And we get the story from the people who lived it. The actors, directors, composers, writers, they've all shared their stories with us so that we can share them with you. Our first two episodes, which are available now, tell the incredible true backstory of the Tony-winning In the Heights. We find out how that show went from a college project to the Tony-winning Broadway hit. We talk to Lin-Manuel Miranda, director Tommy Kale, the producers, actors, and so many more. Our next episode, which premieres Tuesday, November 29th, gets the backstory of the groundbreaking, Tony-winning, true story musical, Fun Home. We talk to Alison Bechtel, who wrote the graphic novel that the show is based on, the composers Lisa Crone and Janine Tesori, actors Beth Malone, Michael Cerveris, Judy Kuhn, and so many more. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can go to todaytix.com slash broadwaybackstory to stream episodes and for podcast extras. Okay, you guys, now to the show. I want to sleep till it's noon, then wake up and eat cold pizza from the box that I left on the floor, because we were up late laughing, then get high. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're talking to the creative team of a brand new musical called Found, which is currently playing at the absolutely stunningly beautiful Philadelphia Theater Company in Philadelphia. Found is a mostly true musical based on Found Magazine and its founder, Davey Rothbart. If you're not familiar with Found Magazine, let me fill you in a little bit. It's an actual magazine made up of things, pictures, notes, ticket stubs, that have been found around towns and cities. The magazine is so popular that it's been turned into books, a super popular podcast, and now a musical. I don't want to give too much away, but the musical is a semi-autobiographical account of Davy starting the magazine and all of the success and pitfalls that followed. The musical incorporates real finds from the magazine, mostly notes, that are projected onto the stage throughout the show. The show began in the basement theater of the Drama Bookshop, and I know you all know how obsessed I am with that place. It was developed at Ars Nova and through readings across the country. It had its off-Broadway premiere in 2014 at the Atlantic Theatre Company, and now a brand new one-act version is playing through December 11th at the Philadelphia Theatre Company. The show has a book by Hunter Bell and Lee Overtree. Lee Overtree also directs. Music and lyrics are by Eli Bolin. Lee and Eli are our guests today, along with founder Davey Rothbart and producer Victoria Lang. They were all hilarious and delightful. Here's our conversation. So I'll shout till I'm heard And I make a thing that's awesome and absurd 
then I'll be like Da Vinci or Mark Twain or Bono. Then I'll sit. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, Davey, can I can I talk to you first? Please, sure. I'm, Bring I, it. I want to know. I'm very interested. So, found just the idea of found in general is yeah. so fascinating. Totally and weird and like yeah. excellent and amazing. Yeah. Can you just tell me like the genesis of like what found was sure. in the first place? Well, I I always loved collecting notes and letters that you know just little things I'd find on the ground, kids drawing Polaroid pictures, and then there was one note that kind of sparked the idea of doing found magazine in the first place. And it was this note that I found on the windshield of my car when I was living in Chicago. Uh, I came out to my car late one night, and it, there was a note on my windshield addressed to Mario. And my, my name is Davey, so I'm like, who is this for? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I figured, well, let me read this thing. Now, what level of cursing is, is, 100%. is allowed on your Yeah, just go, your just go nuts. All right, yeah. let's do it. So <laughs> the reason I ask you is because this note written to Mario did, you know, did not uh, pull back at all on the language. The note, it said, Mario... I fucking hate you. <laughs> you said you had to work. Then why is your car here at her place? You're a fucking liar. I hate you. I fucking hate you. Signed Amber. P.S. Page me later. <laughs> and, Was there a question mark? Uh, no, page me later. No question mark. Uh, wait. Page me. No, it just said page me later. No question mark. Um, P.S. Page me later. And, and, and that's what stuck in my mind was that page me later because she was so angry and upset with him, but also still kind of hopeful and in love, you know page me later she still wanted to hear from him and of course it wasn't mario's car it was my car <laughs> so she had mistaken our cars in the first place and poor mario never knows, got the note yeah well he never got the note and he wasn't at her house it was my car was in front of someone's oh right house or of course so i started showing the note to my friends and i was amazed how many of them had a fine to show me in return you know a, t- a to-do list a journal entry a love note and i just thought there's got to be a way for everybody to share all these great finds with everybody else. So that's when I had the idea to do a found magazine. And, but honestly, my ambitions were small. Like I was going to make 50 copies, just a little handmade zine. I spent a few months uh, kind of asking friends to share their finds with me, looking for more stuff myself. And eventually, For kids who are listening to this and have yeah. no idea what a zine is, zine yes. is what podcasts were 15 years ago. <laughs> well put. Yeah. A zine was basically just a, a little magazine that you would make you know, with scissors and tape and, and photocopy at, you know, at, at Kinko's, run off 50 copies or whatever. So that, that was my idea. And me and my two cousins and a few other friends spent a couple of nights in Chicago at the back of the video store where I worked uh, putting together uh, the first issue of Found Magazine and just using scissors and tape and, and, and taping all these great finds onto the page. Went to Kinko's to make 50 copies and this dude there was like, this is awesome. We should make 800. <laughs> so we so we printed a buzz like, all right, that sounds cool. He he helped us collate and staple them all. My brother Peter came to town, my friend Brandy, we we um taped individual finds and found photos to the cover of each zine. And then we had a release party. Maybe 100 ki- people came. They each bought copies for 5 bucks. That left me with 700 copies of the magazine <laughs> in boxes filling my living room of my apartment and my my roommate at the time, he's a, a singer and this punk rock band called Rise Against, my friend Tim. Um, but I was leaving town for a few weeks, and Tim was really pissed because you could barely edge your way around the apartment. There was all these boxes of magazines. Well, I came back a few weeks later, and all the boxes were gone. All the magazines were gone. I thought he threw them out, you know? But, <laughs> but Tim said so many people were coming over to buy one copy or five or ten for their friends. The neighbors actually called the police. They thought he was selling drugs <laughs> out of the apartment. And I was shocked and just thrilled that this little idea this little my my own personal hobby 
and personal fascination with these little scraps of paper, you know, these little glimpses into yeah. other people's lives that it was resonating with other people. And, and the great thing was that once the magazine was in other people's hands, then they started finding stuff in, uh, they started finding stuff and sending it into us. And we started just printing more magazines. It's actually that what I love about one of the things, one of the many things I love about the found musical is, is really how true to my own experience it, it is. And, and it was just, you know, found, well, it, it grew into, you know, books and, and these tours that we would do, it, just like just like you see in the musical, and yeah. and it was a group of friends, just and still is a group of friends, you know, doing something that we love with people that we love. And uh, I, I, it honestly, I, I saw the play last night. I've seen an earlier version of it a couple of years ago at the Atlantic Theater, um, but I I was in tears through the first like hour of it, just just to see um, my life portrayed with such. I'm try to articulate this just right. It's it. It really celebrates not just the found notes, and but also any creative effort done yeah. by friends. Yes, and and that's really just uh, heavy in tears. Yeah. How did the idea for a musical like why why a musical like why not a documentary why you know what I mean like why a, a music I, we're so grateful that you've made a musical but why yeah well well really for that I want to we have to give credit to Victoria Lang, uh, Jamie Salka. Eva Price, the the producers, um, and these guys, Lee Overtree and Eli Bolin, you know, and Hunter Bell, of course, who uh, who wrote the play with Lee, um, because they saw what you know what I never what had never occurred to me, and I, maybe Victoria could speak to that because she, yeah. she she learned about Found and and for her, I, I I never thought of it being a musical. Victoria did. Yeah, Victoria, yeah. talk to me. Well, a friend in L.A. actually had said that she thought it should be, or there was talk of it maybe being a TV show or a movie, and she said, I think it should be a play or a musical, and you're the only person I know who does plays and musicals. Can I send you something? And literally this stack of, of magazines showed up, and I was just fascinated with it, but turning it into what you know was just these notes and letters into something that was narrative was uh, you know was going to be the challenge but I had known of the story pirates and Jamie Salka who I'd worked with before and I thought you know I'd seen their work both with children and also their after dark what they'd done with adults and the sense of humor that they had and what they could do was I remembered it resonated with me what Jamie Salka had said when I had first said what do, what do you do you know you story pirates when you go into the school and you and you work with the kids and you take uh, he's well, we, we take what a kid can write a story a paragraph or even a sentence and we can dramatize that and it always stuck with me and I said well if they could even just take a sentence that a kid wrote they could take these notes yeah. and I said you know and I, I, I called him and I said I have this idea with this magazine that I found <laughs> and, and he said I know Found Magazine I love Found Magazine and you know Lee and Eli these guys knew it and, and they had been working in the basement of the drama bookshop with the story pirates for some time and so many things come out of the basement of the drama bookshop and they really were just you know they they got it and they were fearless and worked for i don't know how you know a couple of years um from you know sketches and eli taking notes and just you know just taking these finds and setting them to music you yeah know, just like genius ideas yeah yeah i want let's talk to you guys lee can you guys can you talk a little bit about story pirates and and just sort of explain what they are and what you guys do um and then we can take it from there yeah yeah if you don't know what story pirates is 
It is a company that Eli and me and a bunch of friends of ours founded in 2004 in New York City. And what we do is we go into elementary schools and we do creative writing workshops with kids um, and encourage them to uh, write their own stories, their own creative fiction. And then we take those stories and we give them to professional actors, musicians, um, puppeteers, improvisers, comedians, and we turn it into a show, a sketch comedy musical, and we bring that show back to the school for the kids who wrote the stories to see. That's incredible. Before we go further, can we talk a little bit about the drama bookshop and the basement theater there and how... So everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm like the world's nerdiest In the Heights fan. And like, you know, we all know that In the Heights came out of the drama bookshop. It was like the inaugural thing they ever did there. And, you know, the idea of that space as like an incubator where you can, you know, have a space to actually work on your art. How significant has that been to you guys in your path? Massive. Yeah. We got to the bookshop because our friend Tommy Kale. Hey Tommy Kale. Um and Lynn and our friend Sam Foreman, Bo Willeman, Anthony Veniciali had a theater company there together. <laughs> so those guys welcomed us into the bookshop and uh let us sort of move the bookshelves aside after hours and start rehearsing up there. And this is like 2004, 2005. Um, and Alan Hubby at the, yeah. at the bookshop sort of let us take over. And that guy is just so benevolent and generous in letting artists find space in there. And we sort of never left. And the next thing that happened was In the Heights happened and it felt like almost overnight, Tommy and Lynn were gone <laughs> and we just took over their office space and we didn't, we didn't ask a permission, but they haven't kicked us out yet. So, so we've been there over 10 years now and, um, we sort of the upstairs, which used to, we used to only be able to use it after hours now is our rehearsal and office space. And we use the black box theater and, you know, we're like the old men at the bookshop now. There's a whole new when generation When Alan of talks artists. about you guys, the beam that comes over his face, he's so happy to have you there. It's, it, it's, it's, it's magical and remarkable. I mean, the guy runs a bookstore. He's yeah. like an angel. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. So when Victoria came to you guys with this idea, is that how it happened, Victoria? You, came, you approached them and said, okay, let's do this thing? Yeah. I said, do you think that you can take this magazine and do something with it? And they said, yeah. And they started working with sketches they said well we'll we'll try it we'll we'll start improvising they started improvising with the notes and the fines and Eli started putting some of them to music and we just started with sketches in the basement of the drama bookshop Eli I'm I'm I was thinking about I was thinking about you this morning because I was like how on earth okay writing music is hard enough right that has to be the hardest thing in the world how do you write music to things that people wrote that were never intended to be musicalized. How do you do that? Um, it's, it's, I, I'm not really sure it's how I, how I do it exactly, except that I've just been doing it for such a long time. And it's sort of like, there's a, there's a phrase that, that, uh, like a really old William Finn interview yeah. that he did, uh, where he said that he, because he never like took any like songwriting lessons or anything. And he said that he basically just kind of like, did it until he figured it out or has he put it like an apprenticeship without a master yeah um and i you know lee and i met doing this thing called griffin's tale in college um 
which is sort of like a, a precursor, like Story Pirates was sort of born from that, which went into Chicago area schools because we, we went to Northwestern. Go Cats. Um, <laughs> we barely and, know what sports are. It's fine. We like cats. And uh, so that was taking stories written by kids in Chicago area schools. And, and it was just sort of like diving in without any sort of sense of how to do it. But like, here's stories written by kids. Like, can you adapt them into songs? And and so the the first way I approached it was like okay I'm gonna like write musical theater songs with like and just like take the idea that the kid wrote but like adapt it like like I'm gonna like write my own song inspired by what the kid wrote uh-huh. but then but then I discovered it was more fun to just use the text that the kid wrote. Um, Can I ask you something about that? Yeah. How do you have the ability to? find the love in that and not the humor necessarily. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you find the ability to like, not make not fun, make of, fun it? of the kid? Um, I guess, and I, I guess that, that, that goes for the, for the found stuff too. Like, how do you not comment on it, but just sort of, uh, enha- enhance it or whatever in your way? Um, uh, I, I guess it's just like, whatever the kid wrote, you have to sort of like, you're just trying to like meet the kid on like the level that the kid is, is writing. Uh, or the per, or like and found like the level that the person is is we, we call it author intent yeah uh-huh what's the intention of the author whether it's a kid or an adult and then we just get behind that and that's so it's it's easy you, you uh-huh. know, you're not commenting you're honoring the intention if you keep being weird think about it if you become the same you won't be anything much when you are older you will just be So as you guys are are putting this together, who's like who's direct? Who is like taking these sketches that you guys are working on and trying to like direct it into a cohesive uh, musical of the Found magazine? I guess I mean it's Hunter Bell, who your listeners will know. Yes, very from well. Such hits as title of show. <laughs> um, he's been the the sort of mastermind behind creating a story framework that could encase all of these disparate finds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been the challenge of writing the show is uh, trying to have enough story in there that we care about these characters and where they're going, but also create a framework where we can at any moment jump into a find and explore it to the nth degree. Okay, a couple questions here. Davey, you, this, the story of the musical is about you, is it? But is it a true story or is it just kind of, are you kind of like the, the driving force behind it? Um, every find in the play is a real find. It's a real note written by a real person. The story of my life and me and my friends putting the magazine together and, you know, actually it's all based on real things that happened. You know, of course, they've taken some creative liberties here and there to condense the story or, you know, amalgamate certain characters, but it's all real too. Yeah. So when we see uh, in the show, we see the characters like the, the the show is a narrative story and it's happening. And then while the characters are, are experiencing something on the stage, we'll see a note that is uh, sort of 
of the same theme of what the character is going through. So my question in, in terms of putting the show together and writing the show is, was it tailored to the fi- to the notes you knew you wanted to use, or did you write a story and then work the finds into it? Good question. So we call those thought bubble finds, and they act as subtext for what's really going on in the conversation. And we started with story. We started with story of what we wanted to communicate, and then be- came, and then and then began the sort of needle in the haystack work of finding finds that fit that can i can i just say something it's really exciting to me to hear these guys talk about this stuff because you know i know found stuff really well i've been you know making the magazines reading the mail that people sent in these actual finds looking for the finds traveling around the country sharing them with people but these guys know the found universe as well or actually maybe better than i do and so to hear them talk about thought bubble finds and like author intent and like they have terms for all of these <laughs> things that like I think about but it never quite articulated. It's yeah. really exciting. I want to do something that I love and do it with people that I love. That's all I want to do. You know, when we just, we opened last night, but in rehearsal on, uh, before the show, we switched out one of the finds, and my projection designer told me that it was the 401st find that's been in the show. Wow. So not not all those are in the show anymore. Most of them are not. have been switched in and out as we figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, but yeah, we've been through a lot of them and it's real needle in a haystack work in terms of, well, we need to find that is going to communicate this thing. And then we just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. So Davey, you at this point, while they're working on this stuff, are you, you're just, you've turned it over to them. You're not really involved in the process of the play. No, I think not really. I trust these guys. They are profoundly talented and, and they're, they, more than anything, they, they get the spirit of found. Yeah. Eli captured it perfectly when he said you know we are not here to make fun of the authors of these notes we're here to like honor them and celebrate our collective weirdness yeah yeah and so i i trust that not only will they write you know find the right finds and tell a great story but also that they'll tell it in the spirit that that i've always tried to tell it with and you know and we've been blessed because davy is a writer himself so he understands the creative process he understands that we need to try things and occasionally fall on our face. And we need to explore the parameters of this character that is Davy and also is not Davy. Mm-hmm. And he's been generous over the years in letting us do that and giving us the room to be creative in that way, which is I I I've never written a musical about anyone else, <laughs> but I imagine it's maybe not an everyday occurrence that your subject is like Sure, you can make me an asshole if you want. <laughs> Victoria, when would you say you knew the, the the project was producible? That it was like, okay, this is something that like can be that we can actually get up on its legs and do somewhere at like the Atlantic Theater Company. Well, it was a you know a long process. I think when the penny dropped was really when we had started doing the sketches at Ars Nova, which mm-hmm. was a very you know 
Jason and the the whole gang there was very supportive of the project after just seeing it when we were doing the sketches. Shout out Ars Nova. Yeah. I'm with Ars. Yeah. Um, And they allowed us to do it for um, several, you know, uh, several months in a row where we did it there. And as we started to do the sketches there and as Lee had an idea to start to bring some of the characters in towards the end of the sketches and we started to see how the audience was reacting to having some sort of a it wasn't quite a narrative but it was it was just a recognition factor mm-hmm. and that there could possibly be a story arc put onto this crazy pastiche of of ephemera that we were we were putting out there so that's sort of where we got the idea and started to invite people in and um you know as as we were working on it that's when Eva came Eva Price came to see it and so we we had this crazy idea of like you know let's take this show on and make it something bigger and that's where we um, started to put the team together and and workshopped it around the country in several different places from you know from Williamstown to Northwestern American Theater Project New York Stage and Film and um, so it had its path of development before it got to to the Atlantic. Uh huh. And then uh, when it got to the Atlantic, that was like its first official off Broadway run, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How how like how did it go? We thought it went extremely well. I mean, it was very well received. You know, obviously, um, when you're working um, in that environment, when you're first, you know, working with, you you know, you have a great partner like a nonprofit like The Atlantic, um, and you have a a number of, uh, you know, great Broadway designers coming in to help you, and it's the first time you really get it on its feet and get to see it. You learn so much, which we did, and we, you know, as we said, we were very well received. We had great audiences. We built great momentum, and... And um, we knew that when we left there, what we had learned, we wanted to take another step from that, and which is why we were why we're here in Philadelphia. in Philadelphia. So, can we talk a little bit about like what what's what's different about this production? What's exciting about this? Like, what's going on with this new version of Found? Well, it's it's definitely a lot more streamlined. I mean, the version at Atlantic was what, like two hours and twenty minutes or so. Yeah, and two this, hours, ten minutes. It was two acts. It's yeah. two acts, and this is a one act. It's about an hour and forty minutes now, and it really like has a drive and a momentum from beginning to end. It kind of like snap, crackles, and pops. There's a lot. There's a lot that's different about it. Uh, some songs are gone, and there's a bunch of new musical numbers, and it really has like a, a flow to it. It feels a lot tighter. Um, and, and I would say, Eli, besides just new new songs, I mean. There's some great original songs. You know, many of the songs in the in the play are based, you know, based on the notes itself, themselves. But there's a few songs that are kind of about finding and about our world. I, there, there's a song at the end that I just love. It's called uh, "Write It All Down." It talks about the that instinct that we have to put pen to paper. You know, when something really important is going on in our lives, you know, to actually put pen to paper and and write it down to reach out to a son you haven't seen in years or a relationship that's on the edge of collapse. And uh, anyway, that song and some of the other new ones kind of, for me, help bring home the themes of the show. Yeah. And by the way, the we, I was at the local NPR station this morning and the audio engineer in the booth, he came out afterwards and he was like, did you write those songs? Because they played a couple of the songs on the on the thing. And I was like, I was tempted to take credit, Eli, but but uh, but I, I admitted it was it was our own creative genius. Yeah, Eli Boland, so... 
<laughs> I wanted to talk just just for a second about like just about the, like the sound of of your show. You know, like it, the the music is so fresh and it's so it's like it's like rock music. It's so fun and catchy. And the book of it is also now it sounds like I'm just blowing smoke, but I really love it. it it's so like the way people really talk and it's very like the way like young people talk young people are trying to find their place in the world it's very funny and there was part of me that was like there's some cursing in this and there's some like whatever i'm curious about the creatively how you made the decision to let this thing be what it needed to be and not what you thought might necessarily be the most commercial thing to write I mean, I mean, in terms of like at least addressing like the way that people talk. I mean, what's great about like the way the hunter and Lee write is like they are like in a room together and they like they like talk back and forth with each other and they write back and forth with each other. Like, so it like really is like a dialogue. I would say, right? Like a lot of the way that you guys write. So it like it sounds like people talking to each other because like that's a lot of like how I think you guys write it, right? I mean, I would credit Hunter. I think the dialogue he writes is some of the most natural, relatable, real dialogue in the American theater. And I'm just, I'm blown away by the way that he can uh, create dialogue that sounds like real people. Yeah. Well, to talk about the the themes of the show, because I think it's important, I think the thing that you just said that really st- stood out to me was relatable, like how relatable mm-hmm. this show is, and how, I, you know, Davey, I was thinking about, like, for me, because, I, you know, I love Found Magazine, I love Found the Podcast, I'm a podcast nerd, I feel like when I was thinking about this, why it's so emotional to me is because I feel like the thing about Found is that it's a, all about how we are all connected, even though we are all strangers. And that feels very, it feels very like current and very like important right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're a country where last week, you know, there was this election that, you know, divided people and made people feel like they had to be in one camp or another. And, and when you look at the fines and you just look, you know, you get these powerful glimpses of people's lives you actually are realizing what connects us. And, you know, two people may come from very different places and they may express themselves in totally separate ways. But the core emotions and, and experiences going on in people's lives are sometimes, you know, nearly identical. Yeah. And so to me, that is a big theme of the play is, is just, um, you know, that we've all been there. You know, and when, and when I laugh at one of the moments in the play, it's because I'm laughing at myself. You know, because I've... I've written that same pitiful love note a hundred times before (laughs) right there's a line in the play that i think we just stole directly from you davy of when you look at these notes you think that was me or that is me or thank god that's not me (laughs) and there's not a single note in the show and there's there's over a hundred that i don't feel that way about and that makes me feel more human and closer and more empathetic towards towards others. Yeah. Yeah, the empathy to me is the is the biggest thing. And you know, we've been developing this show for a long time and it just seems especially your comment about what's happening in the country right now and how divisive it could be and just how the themes of this show, the communication, diversity, the song Stay Weird and the theme of staying weird and and celebrating the diversity and communication and all of the themes in the show and how relevant it is. And it just really feels like it's time has come. Yeah. I also just want to thank the Philadelphia theater company for helping us develop this one act version of 
found here. The team at uh, Philadelphia Theater Company has been amazing and has given us the softest bed to pound our heads <laughs> against. It's, it's been a really, it's been a really special home. How long show. do you guys run? Through December 11th. Yes. So if uh, that's another thing we'd like to say is yeah. if you're in or near Philadelphia, please come see the show. Last thing, but when people, I look around at the faces of the people sitting next to me when I see this play and they are freaking out. They are in tears. They're laughing their heads off like continuously for two hours, hour and 40. And, <laughs> and they, and they just, there's so much joy in the piece. It's, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm in awe of what these guys have have built so yeah it's, it's really definitely worth taking a jumping on a train and coming to philly and checking Plus it out it's a beautiful train ride oh my god the whole time I, on the way down i was like this is gorgeous yeah beautiful town come to philly see yeah. found the musical and the liberty bell <laughs> exactly <laughs> thanks guys thank you so much Can we get yeah, a collective bye. Bye. bye 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 everybody has problems but the not to make a problem about problems. Hey, theater people, you can find more information and tickets for Found the Musical at philadelphiatheatercompany.org. Just a reminder that you can support theater people and get great rewards for doing so by making a donation via our Patreon page. That's patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast or go to our website and click the link from there. We'd be so grateful. Also, don't forget to check out our brand new documentary-style podcast, Broadway Backstory. Episodes 1 and 2, which get the backstory of In the Heights, are now available. Our episode, which gets the backstory of Fun Home, premieres next week. Search for Broadway Backstory wherever you get your podcasts or stream the show at todaytix.com slash Backstory. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks to Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, Ricky Condos, our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle and Ty Williams. Love you guys! And the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back next week with the one and only Emily Skinner, who made me cake and I still have to get her Tupperware back to her. I promise it's coming. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Think about it. If you become the